Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. The following on podcast is proudly sponsored by Barbados Tourism. Before we kick off the show, I just wanted to take a moment to remind you that the ICC Men's Cricket T20 World Cup Final is taking place in Barbados this summer. This, by default, gives all of my fellow cricket fanatics the perfect excuse to go and book a holiday to Barbados in June and experience firsthand the euphoric atmosphere at the Kensington Oval, the cricket mecca of the Caribbean. If the cricket alone isn't enough to tempt you, then let me be the one to remind you that a trip to Barbados can also include leisurely strolls along the breathtaking coastline, mouth-watering flavours of the world-class Bayesian cuisine, and, of course, plenty of rum. Head to visitbarbados.org forward slash cricket today to book the trip of a lifetime to Barbados, the best place to be a cricket fan. Hello and welcome to the following on podcast from TalkSport. I'm John Norman. Alongside me, Steve Harmison, looking back at all of the action at the Boxing Day test. Australia against England. The Ashes doesn't get any better or worse. You're listening to following on. So if you are listening to the show, you no doubt know by now it was so bad for England, that some people out there thought this was the worst day of the series so far. Really? Were they not at the Gabba on day one? Did they not watch what happened at Adelaide on day, what was it, four? I can't even remember. I'm going to forget neither of those test matches ever happened. Going to forget this one never happened as well if it continues going as it did. Uh, Well, how did it go? Well, England uh, were bowled out. For under 200 for the 13th time this year, Hamid was a 50th Englishman, uh, well, instance of, a, of an Englishman departing for a duck. Uh, Zach Crawley, no surprises really, hadn't played any cricket for two and a half months, didn't score a century. He was out for 12, 13 for two at that stage. Darwin Milan and Joe Root put together the partnership of the match um, so far for England. Again, kind of been here before. Milan then uh, departing, final ball of the session. Joe Root reached 50. Did he go and score a century? No, he was out for 50. Ben Stokes batted a long time for not many runs. And Joss Butler, well, at least he won worst shot of the innings, uh, holding out what was the last ball of the afternoon session for three. Wood didn't stick around. Uh, possibly unlucky with an LBW, but does it really matter? Johnny Bairstow made the kind of score that doesn't really 
support any argument whatsoever about whether he should be in or out of the team. He was out for 35. Leach hit a six. That was cool. 13. And Robinson did steer one ridiculous boundary between third slip and gully whilst moving about two metres towards leg stump before unfurling a beautiful leg glance. But apart from that, it was pretty poor. Uh, Lyon with three for 36 and Cummins with three for 36. I always find that uh, interesting. And then when Australia came out to bat, well, sun came out. It had been raining earlier. Oh, I forgot to tell you that Joe Root lost the toss and had to bat. Um, and Warner was, uh, well, at least Warner was out, but not before he'd hit 38. Uh, Harris hurt his finger and Lyon was night watchman or night watch, as uh, I should say these days, I guess. 61 for one. Australia at stumps on day one after England were bowled out for 185. Story of the day. So, Harmi, should we talk about the first test between uh, South Africa and India, which is uh, getting underway as I speak? Because I kind of feel like we've been here before. Um, yes. I tell you what, there was um, on social media, there was a, there's a kind of, you know, I, I'm not really into group thing. I find Twitter a little bit annoying like that. That's why I don't spend so much time on it. And I seek out the opinions of people who aren't on it just to kind of cut through the noise a little bit. But there was a feeling out there that this was the worst day of the series so far. Would you agree? Yeah, it's definitely up there. Um, the downbeat in me is not because I've had a Christmas deer travel down to London, been up all night and it's now, you know, early, early hours. Well, it's, it's late morning. Uh, that was, that's as, that's as bad as it gets for me. Um, I don't know where to start. A great toss for Pat Cummins to win. Bowled beautifully when he won the toss. Talk about winning the toss. You bowl first. You put your bowlers under pressure. I thought Mitchell Stark was there for the taking. He bowled yep. three overs. He was all over the shop. Yep. He was there for the taking. But Pat Cummins was unbelievable. The three wickets he got before lunch. Milan, yeah. I think Milan had to play at that. The angle he was coming at, the way Cummins had bowled to him, uh, he had to play it, and he was you know, he was nicked off by a half decent ball. Hamid couldn't get off the crease. Crawley got squared up. I like Zach coming at the ball. He, he played some he played some positive shots. Always going to be that way, though, wasn't it? You're yeah. asking a hell of a lot of a player. I mean, a I, was huge wa- I was watching it. I was thinking, right, they're going to pitch it up. They're going to pitch it up. They're going to pitch it up. They're going to go. Okay, we're going to stop pitching it up now. We're just going to we're going to bowl back of a length and. You know, it was no surprise what was going to happen. He hasn't played any cricket for two and a half months. That was ridiculous. Anyway, carry on. No, and you get to lunchtime and you're thinking, you know what, 66 for two. Yeah, I thought that was all right. Yeah, it's not a bad session. Root looked busy. He looked good. He came forward. He looked to get bat and ball, play the ball through mid-wicket. He he, he didn't really look in in a great deal of trouble. No, totally. And... I, I totally agree. I thought Root looked absolutely on it. That's a massive cricket ground to defend. You know, you've got Boland playing, who essentially is behind Nasa, Richardson and, ha- and Hazelwood in the pecking order. Stark, I did not think, looked anywhere near his best and was clutching his side after three overs. And really, if you're going to be facing Lyon, you want to be facing him in the first couple of sessions of a test match, surely. And then, you know, Cameron Green has, of course, impressed us all. But come on. Uh, Matt, I, I just, I say, come after lunch. And I'm like, 
yeah, Ben's soaked up some balls. He chewed up some pressure. And you have to see it as you see it. And I'm sorry, Joe Root, Ben Stokes, Joe Spotler. You have to have a look at yourselves for the way, and they will do. I've got no doubt they'll take responsibility and they have to take responsibility um, because them dismissals were avoidable. Them dismissals were indefensible. I think the way, the way Joe chased the wide one, again, this is three times now, and all three times he's come out in an interview and said, yeah, I shouldn't have played at that one. And you will trot out again at the end of this test match and say, yes, I'm at fault because I shouldn't have played at that ball. I don't understand what Butler was trying to do last over before before T. Stokes Stokes had a plan. He just didn't execute it. He's yeah. gone. He's but gone out of his crease. Same, couldn't you say the same thing about Stoke, uh, Butler, though? I mean, it looked awful. It was awful. If you yeah. take out the fact that T was about to... I mean, I'll give you an example, right? I it's thought a Milan... Tea, it's a tea break for me. Yeah, but it's I a tea thought, break for me. I thought, I'm not going to defend Butler. I, I, I think his time's come. And, yeah, I yeah, I think... and I haven't been a fan of his for a while. I think he's a great ODI player, limited T20, but his, his body language has been awful throughout. He just does not, he's never, ever, for me, looked at, he's never looked comfortable playing test cricket. And I think it's time to say, thanks, but you go and captain the ODI side when Smorgan steps away. But just in his defence, I thought Milan was playing for lunch, but then... I also felt that Butler could have played for T. You can't have both ways, but that was a there's, that is a big old cricket ground. He's targeting deep mid wicket. He should be able to get the ball there. There's one fielder out the leg side, pretty much, and he picks him out. I, I thought it was, good, it was a good bit of bowling as well by Lyon, but it's not. It's like Josh Butler's come down a wicket middle middle stump line against a bowler who who doesn't like Graham Swan drifted. Sort of, he doesn't have that drift away from off stump or sort of onto off stump and then turns in. Nathan Lyon bowls in the first innings of test matches, yeah, more often yeah. than not. His line is middle and leg, yeah, yeah. So you come down the wicket, you know, for a fact, you, if you come down that way, you're going to get cramped. And and Josh Butler's looking to come down the wicket and hit him straight, mid on and mid off or up. You can see what he's trying to do, he's trying to do yeah. him straight, not looking to hit him mid wicket, he's trying to hit him straight, and he's just completely dragged it to the yeah. leg side and he's got he's got caught in the deep the over before T where you think you know what just walk in at tea time and if Nathan Lyon comes on second first over or eighth over or twelfth over because he's going to have to because Stark's not bowling that well then belt him then belt him then take him down then bowl's a bit softer it's not spinning as much just take him down then I just the it's the scrambled brains where the side's at at the mil- this moment they've had a lot of pressure put on them I thought I thought Australia bowled nicely this morning. I thought I really did. I thought Cummins bowled very very well. I thought Boland's first spell. I thought he bowled nicely. He hit his good areas. Yeah. Um, and Green, I, I look at I look at the Stokes dismissal. He had a plan. First ball of Pat Cummins bowling one forty three, one forty four kilometers an hour. Stokes walks down the wicket and he's got a plan. Defends him and he's walked down the wicket to every bowler apart from Cameron Green. He's walked out his crease nearly, literally nearly every ball of his innings to Mitchell Stark, to Pat Cummins and to Boland. But I can see what he was trying to do was Green. Because of Green's height, and he's a big unit, he's a big, yeah. he's bigger than Mitchell Stark, he's a tall man. You're inexperienced, I think. Stokes is on right. 
I'm not going to do that to you. I'm going to go deep in my crease. I'm going right in my crease. I'm going to go both feet in my crease. And if you bowl that back of a length, I'm just going to uppercut you. I'm going to try and throw the kitchen sink at you. And I'm going to clear the infield. And then I'm going to try and make you bowl full. And when you bowl full, you float it so I can bang you down down the ground. Now, that's what's in Ben Stokes' mind. The problem is he hasn't played a great deal of cricket. He hasn't spent a massive amount of time at the match minutes in the middle. And his execution was poor. It was poor. And he got out and it looked, it looked a hell of a lot. Well, it didn't look worse than it was. It just looked, he looked awful. In that middle session. Because it went to gully. I mean, if you you do that and it goes to second or third slip, you're like, well, you didn't get enough on it. But it was, it was awful shot. Yeah. It was cramped. It was, he was cramped for, for room. But I, I go back to what I said before. We try and defend, you know, decisions and try and defend players. These guys, them three have played a lot of cricket and they've got text from responsibility on that because, again, how many times have I said and what this is the 10th day of Test Match cricket? I did say it. It's not a marathon. It's, a, it's, not, a, it's not a marathon. It's a sprint. And if England lose a toss on a something that does a bit in a 40 for four at lunch, the ashes is over. Now, when Ben Stokes, well, when Josh Butler walked off the field at tea time, I feared that that's the time when I thought the Ashes was over. I don't see England, how they can get back into this test match. And I wouldn't chuck the blame solely at them three experienced guys, but they've got to take a lot of responsibility because other than Pat Cummins' first six overs of the test match, Australia have asked questions, but they've not asked big, big questions. They've not asked ridiculous pressure questions where you think, right, wow. Christ, we've done well there. We're getting 20 runs in an hour because we've rolled it out and we'll we'll get it back and we'll cash in as, as they get into the second and third and fourth spell and we'll really try and ram home the advantage later on. As soon as they put a, four or five good balls together, England try to blast their way out of it and the three experienced players are going to have to hold their, hold their, take their, their, their share of criticism, put their tin hats on because you know, the book lies with them. That was that was abject batting in that middle uh, that middle session. Yeah, and it's brought even more sharply into focus when you consider what was said after that second test match where, you know, apportioning blame to the bowlers. Joe Root saying he was just answering a specific question about the bowlers. Um, But essentially, what he asked of the batsman, he himself couldn't do. Now, that would have been noticed, wouldn't it, by the the dressing room? I know know it's harsh, but he's he's still the top scorer, but... You can't tell me that that wouldn't have been noticed. Yeah, it would. It would I would imagine the likes of Broad and Wilkes who have been left out. They'll have been sitting there and, yeah. And Burns. And Burns. And Pope. And not, not so much Burns. I think that the, the, the Broad and Wilkes one will be, they'll be sitting there and thinking, yeah. <coughs> Excuse me. They'll be sitting thinking, you know what? We took some flack in that game. We're sitting with a, a high-vis bib on. And... You know, watching you just give it away, and he batted. To be fair, to, to be fair to Joe, apart from that one ball, he batted beautifully. But well, at the end did. of the day, he's got out for the third time, he's got out for the third time in five innings, exactly the same way. So, look, I, I thought. Can I just say one thing? What about, he said. Can I? Just I say, thought. What, yeah, sorry, go, go, go on. Go. On. I was going to say one thing about what Joe said after the game. I was very critical. I thought a little bit was blown out of proportion because I don't really think Joe really meant to be meant for it to get as much high headlines as it did. I think he was just looking at maybe one or two little passages where 
his bowlers had a little bit of advantage, but didn't weren't brave enough to go for the kill like what Pat Cummins has done. And to be fair, he said as well, if he had followed up the question, well, what about the batsman? He would have been as severe and savage with his comments towards how the baton's gone. So I think a little bit was blown out by, by what he said. But at the end of the day, he said it. What he, he said what he said, and there'll be some bats, there are bowlers there, especially Broad and Wokes, who will be will be tapping on a, the captain on the shoulder at some point over the next sort of seven days leading into that Sydney Test match. Um, just asking questions of 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 what what. You know what? What's going to happen next when it comes to the batsman's point of view? Because again, we are we that that's thirteen innings, I think it is. Yeah, fifteen plus match. It is. We've been bowled out for less than two hundred. That's embarrassing. Well, and all different surfaces. And I suppose Joe Root would point to the fact that two changes were made within the batting lineup as evidence that he wasn't happy with things. I, I mean, you are right. There's a couple of things, a lot, a lot that you bring up there. And by the way, if you're hearing me clapping, it's not because I'm applauding Harmi's excellent summary. It's the, although of course that is part of it. It's because I'm trying to kill a mosquito that's uh, <laughs> buzzing around here. Um, listen, I, well, I was watching Root Bat and I thought, you know, he looks so good. I thought he looked so good at the crease. I started I started because uh, Michael Vaughan is on commentary out here and it made me think of 0203. And I was thinking about how, you know, Michael Vaughan was so far ahead of everybody else in 0203, something we've spoken about before. And I was just wondering how Joe Root compared to Michael Vaughan. And I looked at the stats and you know what? You know, there's two tests to go. We'll see what happens. But there is no comparison. Joe Root actually compares to Nasser Hussain in that series. Nasser Hussain hit four fifties in five test matches and he hit a 47 as well. Michael Vaughan hit three centuries, including one that was 185, you know, it was 190 yard, 180 yard, the three massive centuries, as well as Joe Root has been performing in 2021, you know, and as much as he is carrying this side, he's still nowhere near what Michael Vaughan was doing in 2002, and his yeah. dismissal today is, and the reaction to it, and today, I don't know if you agree, he was as unhappy in the field, and obviously when he got out, as I've seen him all series. You know, he, he, I, I, we've been talking, and Adelaide, it looked to me that, well, between Adelaide and this test match, I went on TalkSport and I said, it just feels like the car wheels are about to fall off here. You know, this is going to go one of two ways. Either they're going to make the changes and someone's going to score. Right? I mean, I think England can beat Australia in a test match, you know, and maybe it could have been Melbourne if, the, if they'd won the toss, maybe, right? But the other way, which looked much more likely, is that the, the batting would once again collapse in a heap. And the danger is they see off Mark Wood tomorrow, who looked by far the most threatening bowler. You know, Smith, 180. Labuschagne, 220. Australia and it's I don't expect this because actually there's more in the pitch that the English should bowl Australia out but with the sniping you know the Anderson article in the Telegraph Joe Root's comments whether they're taking out context or not four changes for a third third test in the series the fact that they haven't got their teams right the first two all the bad luck that's gone there it just it's not quite going 2013-14 we're not going to see retirements halfway through but 
well actually maybe we will because we're going to be getting to a point where it's going to be like well what is the point now of playing this guy we may as well give players some game time ahead of four years time and it's today today it looked like it looked like the wheels are coming off oh one other thing sorry there's a bit of a stream of consciousness but Joss Butler has been criticised for his lack of footwork, right? Behind the stumps and his lack of footwork with bat. It was ironic that it was his extraordinary uh, amount of footwork that actually led to his dismissal today. It's, um, it's just one, it's just one thing. It's, it's not one thing. Either. Even, the, even towards the end of play, Marcus Harris getting that blooded finger. And England not getting it over at Nathan Lyon. It's just like this series. It's just ridiculous. And Butler and Milan both going last over before session as well. Because I agree. I thought 61 for two at lunch. You know, bit of pressure back on Australia here. They they wanted to bowl first. But hey, here we uh, are. I know. And it's, and it, it, it is, it's, it, it's crazy. And it's, I just, I, I, you mentioned about retirements and, players playing and who goes what where um that's for that's for further further down the line i think yeah, you might get sure. at least one um i'm not going to say who it is or what what it is but at the end of this test match if england lose i think somebody could retire and go home i really do um and it not it's not who you think it's not it's not one of the one of the two bowlers um, I, I don't believe it's one of them two. So I think there is there, there might be some rumblings in that one, um, just foreseeing what potentially could happen. The Michael Vaughan series, to compare Michael Vaughan and, and Joe Root on that series, I played in four of them five test matches. Michael Vaughan first, Glenn McGrath, Shane Warren, Brett Lee bowled. Well, I'll ask Alex Tudor. Yeah, poor Tudor. Ask Alex Tudor after what happened to him in Perth. Yeah, Andy Bickle was at his best for f- first two Test matches, and then Brett got brought in later on. And Jason Gillespie was the Jason Gillespie of the one that was world's yeah. best. Yeah. So that proper put, fast. To put that context, context. You know, Mitchell Stark bowling fast, but no idea where it's going. No. Stark's 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 fifteen overs went for fifty four. Yeah, you know? Lisa Richardson. There's only Cummins. There's only Cummins could get anywhere near that bowling attack that Michael yeah. Vaughan faced. And Michael yeah. Vaughan was in a losing side for, well, yeah, we managed to win in Sydney. We managed to get 4 1. I think that could still happen on this series. I still think England can win the Test match. But Roots, Roots runs have largely come in Asia because he's the best player of spin. Um, he hasn't scored a Test match 100 in Australia. I hope he gets one in the second innings. And I do remember, and if I go back to, to that series, Michael Vaughan got naught in Sydney after we had you know, a long couple of days in the field um, and uh, at Melbourne. And he, um, he he bounced back with 100 in the second inning. So, yeah, I hope Joe does that. I think Joe deserves to get somewhere close to Mohamed Youssef's record for what he's done individually, for the England, individually in the England cricket team this summer. Because the England cricket team is some bat and pot, but uh, sorry, in 2021 is embarrassing. It's embarrassing. It can't, I can't. We can't sugarcoat anymore. You take David Milan out of that runs out of 2021, and Joe Root scored more runs than everybody else collectively. That's frightening. That's frightening. So where we go from reset to get that position, 
I'm not so sure. I said the Silverwood, the combination of the management structure, it'd be short-sighted if we try and put the blame on them. But I'm actually, the more decisions that they're making, the more decisions I'm thinking, maybe I'm not. it's not short-sighted. We have, yes, got probably a system problem, but we've also got a problem who's making decisions yet because we've picked teams now that are just mind-boggling. Mind-boggling. You've got to perform, but you at least give yourself a chance. And unfortunately, England haven't been to the races. That last that last two hours there told you and showed you. You know, Warner come out. Yes, it's not a massive total. Come out with a game plan. Stay in the leg side of it. Woody can bowl as fast as he want. If he strays anything onto off stump, I'm going to use the pace, guide him through, guide him through a sort of wide gully. We had five players in front of square. David Warner's not looking at Mark Wood anywhere near in front of square. And we've got five players in front of square, backward points in front of square. We've got mid-on and mid-off in front of square. We've got short leg. We've got square leg. Wanting Mark Wood to bowl straight, yes. But he's not, He's not. you don't need him to bowl straight. You just need him to run up, bowl fast, bowl aggressively into the other, into middle, middle and off, and set a field, you know, two slips, two gullies, third man, yeah, you know, third man catch it and say to David Warner, right, you, if you want to score runs, this catcher's in position, but I'm going to hit you. I'm going to hit you, and I've hit you twice. Okay, are you going to still going to keep taking this for the team? See if you can get him to go across the stumps and chip one up in the air, give his wicket away. Little things like that are just mounting the pressure on the decision-making that England are making at this moment. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. The following on podcast is proudly sponsored by Barbados Tourism. If your passion for travel is on par with your passion for cricket, then I have some excellent news. The ICC Men's Cricket T20 World Cup Final is being hosted in Barbados this June, which makes it the perfect destination for your summer holidays this year. To make the most of your trip, you can also experience eight matches from the series in Barbados, including England against Scotland and England against Australia. In under a month's time, you could be spending your days exploring the vibrant streets of Bridgetown, drinking rum in the sunshine and experiencing exotic Bayesian delicacies in the culinary capital of the Caribbean. There truly is something for everyone. There's no need to wait a second longer. Head to visitbarbados.org forward slash cricket today 
to book the trip of a lifetime to Barbados, truly the best place to be a cricket fan. What is going to happen tomorrow? Okay, Harmy, you're on air in a few minutes' time. What's going yeah. to happen on day two at, at uh, the MCG? I'd love a bit of cloud cover. I'd love a little bit of rain. I'd love the ball to start moving around. But unfortunately, Nathan Lyon hangs around for more than five, between five and ten overs. Australia get 250-300. If Australia get 250-300, they might win by batting once because this batting unit looks devoid of ideas when it comes to the pressure that that Australia can put on them. Cummins puts the ball in the bright area again. Stark can't be as bad as what he was. And yeah, Lyon is going to get more and more turn that's going on. England have got to bowl Australia out for two, no more than 220 to stand any chance in this test match in the way. And I love England and I love England doing well. And I always want them to do well and win. But even the most optimistic of me, I just can't see that happening, unfortunately. Sad times. Come on, England. Don't kill Harmy on Christmas Day, stroke <laughs> Boxing Day, whatever day it is. I've, I've lost track. Harmy, uh, you go and do weekend sports breakfast. Back on uh, BT's uh, coverage overnight. Get some sleep. We'll be back here on the following on podcast, looking back at the day when Australia got bowled out for uh, 190 and uh, England are... 110 for one at Stumps. You heard it here. First, folks, you're listening to Following On. The following on podcast is proudly sponsored by Barbados Tourism. And this is your gentle reminder that Barbados is the best place to be a cricket fan. With eight matches from the ICC Men's T20 Cricket World Cup Series taking place in Barbados this summer, including the final, you can experience the summer of a lifetime by booking today. Aside from immersing in world-class cricket in the sunshine, Barbados is the dream destination for all travel enthusiasts. It is where adventure meets paradise, the culinary capital of the Caribbean, and better still, the birthplace of rum. If you are keen to unite with cricket fans across the globe for what is set to be an unforgettable summer, then head to visitbarbados.org forward slash cricket today. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 